Welcome to episode 102 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is federal analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. And so there was news this week that DISH is teeing up the possibility of RAND sharing, or at least trying to propose it. And the question is, is it realistic for speeding 5G deployments in the United States? We've talked about this on prior podcasts. This is something that I believe Vodafone and some other operators in the UK have experimented with. They're actually doing it. But from my perspective, this is probably a no-go because it flies in the face of tower economics. I mean, those tower companies command a premium to rent out, lease out space for you know um, all of these operator you know ran kits, and so go and sort through this light read article. I believe uh, Mike Dano posted it. Um, the tower operators aren't as bullish as well. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's optimistic. Um, it remains to be seen uh, exactly who would be willing to do this. And um, I think you're right about the economics of it. I, I think uh, it works better in countries where um, investment is shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there would need to be a shared investment for um, for the share sharing of infrastructure. Yeah, and I just, from my perspective, when you look at Verizon, AT&T, Mobile, all three of these operators are fiercely competitive. So I'm wondering, is this sort of a trial balloon that DISH is floating because they're so far behind on meeting that summer requirement, right, for, for coverage? What do you think? It could be, it could be a way that they potentially... Um, try to solve that problem. I also think um, it could be a way that they potentially say that we, you know, we've explored all our options right. and the industry is not allowing us to hit our targets. Right. So um, it could be one of those things where they're using it as an out. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, DISH has been afforded a lot of accommodations. I mean, there were a lot of concessions that T-Mobile had to make when it got combined with Sprint. So it's, it's interesting. But with that said, let's move to your first topic this week. And the next G Alliance has posted a, a 6G use case white paper. And you want to share the details with our listeners and viewers. Yeah, so they, um, you know, they came out with a, um, you know, this, this kind of um, update to what they're, they're planning on doing with uh, use cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I first saw um, some talk about it. Um, I'm trying to think where it was. It was in one of the, the publications um, that we like to read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is that 6G is a, um, you know, it's a kind of a challenge because we're still very far out. Um, and, and next G, at least with ATIS, um, you know, it's a, it's a U.S. based um, organization and they have kind of identified four categories of use cases that are in this report. Mm -hmm. Um, They talked about network enabled robotics. Mm -hmm. Um, They talked about multi-sensory XR, which, you know, I'm all about. Um, They've also talked about autonomous systems. 
as well as distributed sensing and communications, uh, as well as personalized user experiences. So um, these use cases are um, categories that are in this ATIS report, um, and they also are talking, talking about you know, their six audacious goals, um, which they published back in February, which is, you know, a very convenient, you know, and clever way to talk about uh, 6G, because they want to say they have six goals for 6G. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is, is that um, a lot of this is still pretty nebulous, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, like, what what is really, um, like, an like, network enabled robotics like what does that really mean right um and how is that any different than 5g robotics right so, yeah. um these these white papers i think are going to help people think about a little more like why 6g might be the right application for these things mm -hmm. um but it, it's you know at least they're talking about it but uh, you know, some people say it's too early um to talk about 6g what do you think will so from an autonomous operations perspective, that makes me think of something like um, autonomous driving. But you're right, I believe it's just it's just too soon to be talking about concrete use cases. So I'm not surprised to uh, you know, learn from you because I haven't actually read this report that these, these categories are kind of nebulous and they're kind of broad, but um, it's something we'll definitely uh, share with our audience uh, when we post the podcast, we'll provide a link and let our listeners and viewers check it out themselves. But let's move to my second topic this week. And um, Verizon's been really beating its chest lately. And I think we've talked about this on prior podcasts about how well they're doing with their, um, their current deployments. And they're reporting quite a sizable gain in 5G data usage for the first half of this year. And I found this in an article on RCR Wireless. And so Verizon's reporting that data usage on its 5G ultra-wideband network has increased by nearly 250% uh, since January of 2021. So actually, this is more than a year. And what they're pointing to are um, areas of the country that include Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia are leading uh, the charge. And so it gets me to think, you know, is Verizon closing the gap? Or, you know, we do know that they are building out their C-band deployment. But uh, Root Metrics, in a recent report, basically rates, obviously, T-Mobile uh, in first place with AT&T a distant second and Verizon a decided third. So I think this is more a lot of chest, you know, thumping and that sort of thing than, you know, uh, they're, that they're actually, you know, making, you know, huge strides in coverage gains. But I'm wondering what your opinion is. I think that they're... This, I read this article as well, the 249% increase in traffic. Um, I mean, it, I feel like it, it's a combination of just having more coverage and having faster networks in those coverage areas, right? Because millimeter wave doesn't really even cover 1% of their footprint. So right. like statistically, millimeter wave can't be that much network traffic. But if midband has enough footprint and it's fast enough, it's very easy for that to supplant everything else. And sure. they're still including millimeter wave as part of ultra wideband, which I personally hate, but um, it allows them to hide whatever they're doing on millimeter wave um, and to pump up you know, their, their improvements across the board um, between millimeter wave and midband. Mm -hmm. And if anything, 
this 249%, you know, could easily be spinned uh, by their competitors by saying, you know, well, of course they're increasing 249%. The millimeter wave was useless, right? right. <laughs> so like, you know, it, I think it, it works in Verizon's favor to do this the way yeah. they've done it, but I don't really like it because it doesn't really help us, the industry understand where, where they're at necessarily. Yeah. Um, but it does make it very clear that mid-band was absolutely the way, right way to go. And to, to Verizon's credit, you know, they really didn't have a choice back yeah. in the day when they launched their 5G network in terms of, you know, the spectrum available. Right. They also didn't have to market it like they did. So yeah. um, I think it's a, it's a positive development for Verizon and their customers. Uh, and it's yet another confirmation that mid-band is, is absolutely where, where the... The, the growth is and the opportunities are. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Minban provides the best balance of propagation and performance. So not a not one doubt in either one of our minds. So let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about some news from XCOM Labs. Yes. So XCOM Labs is a San Diego company. Um, they actually, um, they, they come from uh, a, a heritage of their CEO being the former Qualcomm CEO, uh, Paul Jacobs. And um, their CTO is the former Qualcomm CTO, Matt Grobe. Uh, and so they're, they're very much a lot of former Qualcommers who um, you know, worked there during some of its fastest growth days uh, in the smartphone age. So uh, this new company, XCOM Labs, has been kind of working in the background for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people thought they were going to be doing 5G tech wireless technologies, and actually, um, they still are. Um, but the first products that they're actually announcing um, and the partnerships they're announcing are actually around XR. So they're doing some wireless um, VR and AR communications using 60 gigahertz, um, which is a millimeter wave technology, but it is Wi-Fi. It is not 5G. Um, and they will be... Um, deploying this with uh, the Void, which is a uh, location-based VR experience, which went bankrupt during the pandemic, but was revived. Um, but what's interesting and why this is part of a 5G podcast um, is because they will be doing some 5G open RAN solutions as well. Yeah. Um, and they announced that they will be uh, using commodity hardware in some scenarios, um, but they do have their own signal processing uh, for 5G um, and they will be able to do millimeter wave as well as uh, deploy some uh, private 5G networks. Um, and they said that they're going to be able to deliver these um, solutions in a way that will be um, potentially higher throughput um, and lower latency. Um, and they will be able to enable new applications um, and they'll be able to kind of maximize um, existing network infrastructure. Um, to improve RAN uh, performance and latency um, and enable new use cases uh, outside of just what they're doing on the XR side. So it's very interesting to see them kind of come out of their, you know, their shell. Um, It sounds like they've got a lot more going on in the 5G front um, that they haven't quite fully announced yet. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see kind of where this goes. Um, and, you know, I'm very excited to see what they're doing on the XR front. I just got a chance to see it today here at AWE, which is yeah. why I'm not in my usual setup. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's been very interesting. And, you know, XCOM is a lot of former Qualcomm people. So, you know, there's a lot of very experienced wireless engineers there and, you know, no surprise they're working on some 5G tech in addition to the XR stuff that they're doing. Yeah, no, it's, they've got pretty impressive DNA and bench strength and, Qualcomm is one of those companies that's at the center of the 5G ecosystem and universe, if you want to call it that. And so, and it's in your backyard as well. So it sounds very promising and we'll uh, keep our uh, eyes and ears open um, as they uh, progress out of their stealth mode. But it's interesting you mentioned Open RAN. So that's a nice segue to my third and final topic this week. And I want to talk about Nokia and are they backpedaling on their position in Open RAN? and its role uh, with 5G network deployments. Uh, Tommy Udo is one of their senior executives and he was recently interviewed by Light Reading um, out of their European bureau. And um, he was voicing a lot of the same concerns that, that I have voiced um, initially with OpenRAN with respect to um, you know, a new set of uh, ecosystem participants, the need for integration, the complexity that comes along with it. And he's not quite as bullish on, you know, necessarily the CapEx and the OpEx capabilities of it. And uh, I don't think this is necessarily a backpedal. I mean, certainly when you look at Ericsson, they've been more or less, you know, sort of sitting on the bench. And just recently they've, they've come out and sort of uh, sheepishly um, are, are supporting some, some of the open range initiatives. Certainly Huawei, uh, they've, they've taken a pretty hard stance on it. Um, they obviously view that as a threat to their, uh, their profitability, but, there are other factors in play that are threatening Huawei's uh, profitability, but um, it's interesting. So I think, you know, OpenRAN has been, you know, kicking around for quite some time. You know, it's it's undeniable that we're going to start seeing some deployments. Now, whether they're going to become a major part of 5G or not, not is yet to be seen. Because again, we've talked about this on prior podcasts, many operators have locked their overall RAN plans with respect to 5G years ago. So this is going to be more of a supplemental, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, deployment from my perspective. It's not going to be the lion's share of 5G, but it could certainly be the lion's share of 5G in those greenfield deployments, like the Rakutans of the world, the Reliances of the world, and the Dish networks of the world. Um, but what are your thoughts? I think that um, it's a challenge for a lot of the the bigger infrastructure vendors. Yeah. Um, just because they have an existing customer base that are already buying products from them mm-hmm. that um, you know they're familiar with and that they've been successful in selling, um, and I think that you know stuff like OpenRAN is an opportunity for companies like Nokia to hedge uh, against potential market shifts. Sure. Um, but you know if they're doing really well in their traditional RAN business, um, you know OpenRAN isn't really going to make a huge impact unless there are opportunities for them to, you know, go for more greenfield. And I think mm-hmm. we've all, we kind of all see that, you know, open ran is one of these uh, scenarios where it's much better in a greenfield deployment, right. Um, where there never was any infrastructure and you're not replacing anything, but instead you're, you know, putting something new. Um, and I think that's kind of where um, I think open ran will be the most successful. And I think, that most likely will be in some form of private 5G. Yeah, I agree with you. Certainly it could be a part of private 5G. I mean, the other advantage is the ability for OpenRAN to uh, potentially domesticate the overall supply chain for 5G infrastructure. You're bringing a whole host of new ecosystem participants. A lot of this is software defined. 
you know, the Mavineers of the world, um, you know, even the Rakutanas of the world with Symphony. Um, so, I mean, that that was one of the big pushes behind Open RAN, I think, initially when Huawei and ZTE were getting so heavily scrutinized. But, yeah. um, you know, time will tell. And, you know, I think it does have a role. It will play a role. Um, you agree with me. Um, I think it's going to be more in front and center with respect to greenfield deployments, new network deployments versus brownfield, where, you know, you've got, you know, the existing incumbents uh, from an operator perspective out there, but, but time will tell. But let's move to your third and final topic this week. And you want to talk about T-Mobile and Deutsche Telekom and their 5G T challenge. Yeah. So another XR topic for us today, um, this was more focused around XR and 5G. So the T-Challenge was launched by T-Mobile US, T-Labs, uh, which is Deutsche Telekom's research and development unit. Uh, they announced six winners of the T-Challenge, which the six winners um, will be sharing a pool of 600,000 euros, which is quite a bit of money. That's a chunk um, of change, yeah. Yeah, it's a serious amount of money. Uh, and what's interesting is uh, when we first talked about this challenge last year, uh, it actually was less money than it is now in terms of U.S. dollars because the U.S. dollar and the euro are almost equal. Yeah. Um, but for the people competing in it, um, most of whom which are not American, uh, this is still a considerable amount of money. Um, they won. They picked six teams, and um, it's funny because the press release that came out says they will uh, split nearly half a million U.S. dollars in prize money, um, but. 600,000 euros is more than that. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Last time I so checked. That's kind of a funny one. But uh, they did, you know, there are some quotes here from Neville Ray from T-Mobile. Um, so T-Mobile is involved. T-Mobile US is involved in this, but they also have their own challenge as well. Um, and they're doing some of their own stuff uh, on the enterprise side. So this was about uh, enabling uh, transformative retail with 5G and XR. So there's a very specific intent with this. Yeah. Um, and the companies they chose were Team Graffiti from Marseille, uh, Golem Digital from Graz, Austria, uh, Sitecall from Frankfurt, and Deep Brain uh, AI from Seoul. Uh, and then they also announced a company called Yona from uh, Cologne. Um, so, or Cologne, depending where you're from. Uh, <laughs> and they basically, um, had different categories. And um, the good thing is that this is kind of helping to uh, accelerate some of these companies' uh, plans around, you know, developing these use cases and proving that there is some value in them and that they can continue to develop them. Um, because, you know, sometimes winning these prizes, um, while the amount of money may not be that big, it can also get you a lot more visibility as a startup Right. VCs and mm -hmm. getting more funding so you can continue your idea. And I've actually had a chance to look at some of these companies um, in the past when I was talking about this challenge way before. Um, and some of them were really interesting uh, startups that, um, you know, did a really good job. Uh, the one thing I didn't mention was first prize actually gets 150,000 euros, while okay. second prize gets 100,000 euros and third prize gets 50,000 euros. So it's not an equal distribution Graduated, yeah. uh, of, of, of the funds. But, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting because there's two different categories. So um, there's the solution development and then there's the concept and design creation. So 
the, 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 the concept and design creation category actually starts first prize getting 75 grand, mm-hmm. second place getting 50 grand, and then third place getting 25 grand. So, you know, the concept awards are obviously going to be lower because they're, they're not necessarily um, have already have a product in place, right? They're thinking about it. So um, it's really interesting to see, you know, how they're leveraging XR and 5G together. And um, it's really cool to see that um, these are, these are really leveraging um, the maximum capabilities of, of what's available today. And hopefully they'll be able to grow and, you know, gain some customers and uh, we'll see more challenges like this in the future. Yeah, I think it's innovative. You know, obviously a lot of the mobile network operators host labs and they, they incubate, you know, some of these startups. I think this is cool, you know, to kind of take a, a contest approach to doing it. I mean, really where the magic's going to happen with 5G is in the developer community. And so anything that can be done to uh, encourage that, I think is great. Money always talks. And in fact, I'm going to plug a little uh, webinar that I'm going to be participating in. But next week, I'm actually going to be with Erickson. And we're going to be focusing on the subject around the developer community and 5G. And if you go hit my Twitter feed or go hit my LinkedIn feed, um, you can learn more about that. But um, I'll be hosting that discussion. It should be pretty awesome. But hey, buddy, another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. I'm also going to plug my webinar next week as well. Good. You should. Mine, mine is <laughs> not necessarily specific to, to, to 5G, but it is around XR. I'm doing a webinar with Lenovo and Qualcomm around, around building the enterprise metaverse. Um, so that's a uh, an interesting topic. And there will be some talk about 5G. So it's not totally off, off topic, but... Uh, I will bring us home uh, and and say that uh, we we really appreciate our viewers and listeners, and we hope that we found, they found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights for a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Town Tech, and I'm at Anshal Sog. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week.